I never thought I'd get the chance to say, to say this, but um, noted teammate through Frosted Flakes, Wendell Clark is joining the show. Hey. Woo! So we're here. we're here. And you know, Wendell, we're not, we're, none of us are great athletes, uh, but you are. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to be working with you on this. And, and I mean, like, obviously, you got teamed up with Frosted Flakes uh, for the playoffs. Um, pretty exciting. And is this something that you like? Do you actually like chow down during the game with, with a bowl? I would. If it's a night game breakfast, I eat Frosted Flakes at night. Before I go to bed, I eat Frosted. So the, the amount of games that are going on right now all day, I, I, I got a box beside me all day just uh, <laughs> up with the amount of hockey we're watching. What, what's the most amount of hockey you've watched in a day since this all started? Are you one of those guys who stayed up uh, 12 to 12? No, I can't. The late game, I'm old guy now. So I, I'm uh, <laughs> at the start of the last game, and then I nod off them. But there'll be times I, I wake up at a two, 2 in the morning, okay, I wonder who won that game. And yeah. I'll be checking it before the, before the morning scores. But, uh, yeah, usually I can make it through. But no, the, the, I'm old school now. I, I, I can't make it out too late. Do you ever um... – you know, you, you were a very, very competitive player, outwardly competitive. And, and it's funny because, you know, you and I have met a couple times before and it, it's, it's, it's hard to sometimes square up the guy on the ice that I grew up watching with the guy who I've met, who is the, one of the kindest, you know, guys in the world. Do you ever lose when you, when you watch that game, like, do you still feel that fire and that passion for uh, competition? And does it still make you want to sometimes jump on the ice? Uh, I think so. The, the big thing about being us, us old guys or alumni or guys that are watching the game, we, we don't miss training camp. You don't miss the grind in the summer. You don't miss the long regular season, you know, February, March, it gets long. But the one thing you always miss is playoff time. Like all of a sudden that energy uh, that the team is under game to game, day to day, that is a fun, good pressure. And that's the one thing you can't get doing anything else that you do. Yeah, man. Yeah. You ever play with guys who just cannot turn it off? Because the, the first thing I thought of when, when you were talking about that fire and, oh, you ever get fired up watching from your couch, I was just imagining, and I've told this story before, we went to a Leafs-Bruins playoff game a few years ago, and Darcy Tucker, after the game, was getting chirped by this fan the whole game that didn't know he was Darcy Tucker, and he was rolling around this pencil in his hand. And the whole time I'm just like, he's, he's imagining it's that guy's neck. Yeah. <laughs> He's, there'd have been steam coming out of Darcy's ears. He couldn't even <laughs> he couldn't even go back at him. No, no, no. <laughs> he wanted to. He wanted to. Yeah. He, of all guys, he'd be thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> who do you, who would you say is like who when you were playing like who was the most like overly competitive player? If you can if you can name one, like really could not shut it down, could not stop being that all the time because I think it's a mindset. In sports, Every, there's lots of people with talent, but it's sort of what's between the ears that gets you over the hump. So can you, is there anybody you can remember that you go, wow, that was a real competitive streak, never seen anything like it? Um, I don't know about any – everybody has to have it at the highest level. And it, whether you're the finesse guy or you're the, the guy that throws his weight around or whatever, everybody has that. But probably a guy, and the reason why he does really well and what he does now is, is Gary Roberts training the, the guys in the business that he is. You know, whether he's skating with the guys who are working out, he's probably more intense, and he's the one coaching the kids, uh, you know, the new NHLers or the up-and-comers. So he's one guy that's really kept the intensity for playing and tries to stay as close to it as possible. And, at, you know, at 50 years old, that's, that's pretty good to keep that kind of fire going. 
Wendell, should we really, you said you, said you like your, he, oh, sorry, no, sorry. Oh, go ahead. You said you like uh, Frosted Flakes in the morning and then sometimes at night during the game. I'm a big fan of chopping up bananas and putting them <laughs> into the cereal while I'm eating it. Do you put anything into the cereal? I've seen it a lot, but I don't. No, I am no. what it is. That's, that's, uh, that's why I got the box open and that's why I have it. Purist. Um, I don't, no, no additives. It's, it's perfect for me as is. <laughs> All right. Steve, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, I, we shouldn't be surprised he said Gary Roberts to the last thing. The, the guy who got into a fight at an alumni game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at Drapes going at it, the alumni game. Everybody else on both benches were going, well, they're the only two guys that are serious. The rest of us are, we just quit when it gets asked. <laughs> Actually, that game was amazing. Uh, uh, I know Steve was there. Yeah. But watching Mike Palmatier get on the ice, make a save, and, and, and a great save, and then – you know, had to have to shut it down. A guy like that who played, you know, a long time ago now, um, you have to admire that, you know, the fact that he even strapped on the pads. And, and have, have, do you deal – have you dealt with Mike much? What's he like? Yeah, no, Mike's great. And, that, and he was kind of making the saves that he was back in the early 80s there. That's, that was his style. It was awesome. I, I think he hurt himself at the save. And <laughs> he, was, yeah. he was done – but uh, – and at that age, you know, 60-some years old uh, out there with the young guys. I can call us guys young guys that are 50 now, and he's out there. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's great the, when we get to cross and do the alumni stuff. And, and, and Paul, me, he, he was a competitor when he played, and anything he does, he's a, he competes and has fun at it. And, and, and so he was just, like I say, he scouted with the Leafs for a bit, but was also one of the good guys of the game. Mm-hmm. When we, we've seen um, a shift in the NHL. A lot of teams have gone very young, uh, very fast, um, and in a lot of cases, a lot more aggressive in the maybe not in the in the '80s sense that that you guys would have been used, to, not as outward. But you've seen teams like the Bruins, who did come up as young guys, who were tough. Um, uh, and and one of the things that they seem to have is a like a mindset. There are teams that have that mindset. And it takes years to grow, and it takes lots of failure to grow. And I was curious to know because you, you know, you came into the NHL, you had a huge splash, uh, and you know, were a, a hero here, uh, and still are because of it. Um, but there is so much more that goes into hockey, and especially playoff hockey, than just scoring goals or punishing people. And I, I wondered about, you know, how long you felt before you were truly like a mature NHL player. Who, who it's kind of like you throw anything at me and I can handle it. I don't know. I think every individual is different. I think everybody you ask will say, I'm ready. I can handle it because they're a pro athlete, whether they're 18 or 30, they're going to say they can handle it because they're there. They're in the moment. Uh, but it is something that hopefully your, your teams uh, of young players have a fast learning curve uh, in, in that they get the hint right away because sometimes if you get the hint, it's not till you're 30. It's, it's too late. It's too long as far as the intensity level. It's, it, it's something I think a lot of the guys that play at the NHL level or they, they, they call it, are you a pro yet? And, and that's really, yes, you can play hockey. Yes. You're a good hockey player, but can you bring it in game five, six, and seven? And it, right. it's like, there's, you know, you're, you're good enough to be there, but now you got to finish it. And, and that's it. Really, has not a lot to do with your skill, or your intensity. Is do you do it at the same level all the time? And that's a real skill set that is learned. That I know coaches try to get that across, and that's why a lot of coaches or players don't don't like a lot of coaches sometimes because they're pushing buttons. They're trying to find 
out the most they can about you to see how far they can push you to be as good as you can be. And they're not going to be the nice guys about it all the time. They're, their job's on the line, your job's on the line, and they're, they're pushing your buttons. And that's it, – it's how long does it take to be a pro and then can you play as a team? Because the biggest thing is, a, uh, you know, a pro hockey player and it's such a big team sport hockey yeah. that everybody's got to be on the same page and – buy into what their role is you know you're the first line role you got to do this you're the fourth line you do this you don't do what the first line does you know there's there's those things that you have to buy into and if you don't buy into that it's tough for that team to win and you know a, a team like boston has been doing you know pretty consistent at, at buying in uh this year with how the season started in the playoffs i predicted young teams are going to do well uh just because they can flick the switch where the 30-year-olds are going to have a tougher time just turning the switch on after one practice and now we're playing playoffs, where kids can do it quicker. But the longer these series go now, you're seeing the St. Louis's get better, the Boston's get better. The older guys are starting to kick in now. And if the young teams don't beat put these guys away early, um, the, vet- the veteran teams understand how they have to play. You, you're really seeing how St. Louis changed their game by game 4-5 uh, mm-hmm. against Vancouver. Now Vancouver won last night, but uh, the young teams I think are the are the early push because they're they can turn the switch on quicker. But once the the older players get it, they they know how to do it. And uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, was, was there ever a eureka moment with uh, the group that you played with? Because I'm finding myself falling in love with this Vancouver Canucks team because I kind of feel like they found it, and I feel like for them. Uh, you know, they obviously have a great coach in Travis Green. Uh, they have a great young group, but uh, like JT Miller, like what an immediate impact he's had on that lineup. So was there a eureka moment with you guys as a group, whether it was a big win uh, or someone arriving uh, in the locker room? Uh, no, in the 90s, uh, when we started to win, obviously you make the trade uh, the year before that brings the five players in. That Gilmore guy wasn't a bad hockey player, so he helps our hockey team. He wasn't he's okay. Bad. He's a, you know, and then the pieces that come together during that regular season, you, you, you're, you got, you traded a Damfus for a Fuhrer and flipped him for Hendrichuk. So now you got the 50-goal guy that gets to play with Dougie and Felix Potvin gets to come and replace as a 20-year-old uh, Fursey. And, and it just kind of pieces. But then when we win game seven in Detroit, that was kind of the, mm-hmm. hey, we are good enough to win. You know, we won. Um, and, and that's – you know, with the with the Leafs right now, you're hoping they get to that where they, they learn it on their own. You can't tell them how to do it. They got to just get it. And that game seven was it for us because then the next two years, we kind of rolled to the semifinals and it just couldn't quite get there. But it was uh, – you, you had a confidence uh, within the team uh, with that whole group of guys. Um, Wendell, you talked about coaching and pushing buttons. Who pushed your buttons? Who was the best uh, at get, getting to you? Uh, well, really, they, 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 I don't know. They, they all pushed buttons. I, I, you know, that year we had with Bernsey and, and everybody gets – because we won and we did well and it's a feel-good. Everybody thinks, oh, you guys were one great, big, happy family. Well, really, he was pushing buttons and we were mad at him more than half the year. But he was <laughs> the new – you know, especially that first year, trying to change the culture coming in his first year. And so he was pushing buttons. And, we, and he'd use us leadership guys as – you know, myself or Dougie or Dave Ellett or Todd Gill, we were all there a long time. Like Giller and I, I think we're the longest in Toronto. So he'd be pushing our buttons uh, 
to get everybody to rally. Like he knew which buttons to push so guys would rally. We had a great team that if somebody was getting – uh, pushed on by the coach, we'd all rally around that guy because we all took turns where the coach was going to take. And, and that's what made our team strong is, no, we didn't let that guy down. We were sticking up for him. We, we'd take the player side. And I think Bernsey knew that. He, he knew what buttons to push. The team would rally around. And he was there to get us to play as hard as we – and, and we're, when we're in the middle of it at 25 years old, say I was 25, 26, something like that, you don't really understand that. You're just mad at the coach. <laughs> but then you're retired 10 years later, you go, oh, I see what he was doing. He was pushing buttons to try to, but when you're in the middle of it, you're just, you don't know what the coach is doing. But that, and that's one thing that the players, you know, the quicker they can understand that it's nothing's ever personal. It's, it's about trying to get uh, the team to win. Wow. What's that moment like where you're so mad at the coach and you realize what he did worked? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. That's, that's why you never vent on the head coach because mm. bad things might happen. You always vent. If you've got good assistant coaches, you vent on the assistant coaches because he, he, he's there to take that. That's what makes great assistant coaches. And, and then he understands that you're just venting and then he tells the head coach nothing. Because you may say something that is just going to bury you for, for the team, right? If you said that, what you wanted to say to the coach. But if you say it to the assistant coach, he, if he's a good assistant coach, he vents it, he lets you get it off your chest, you feel better as a player now, and you go about your day. And, a, and, and maybe there's something in there that the assistant coach can take to the head coach that is and does make sense. But, but really, he's there to be a buffer. And those are the, those are the guys you vent on, the assistant coaches, not, not, the, not the head. Years ago, you told me a story when we talked uh, about going into Maple Leaf Gardens and, and what an ordeal that was, especially when the team really started winning because uh, people don't know this. I mean, the arena was built in the 30s. There's no underground parking like there is at arenas today. Uh, there is no parking lot at all, in fact. Um, and so you guys sort of had to, from what I understand, sneak in incognito. Can you, can you tell us what that that was like and how you got in? Uh, well, the, I, I would go and I did, I always knew the hot stove was open. So that looked like a, just a plain wood door on church street. And nobody you didn't even know that was an entrance to the hot stove. <laughs> the first early private clubs in the, in the day, the hot stove club going in the side door. So I'd sneak in there uh, during the playoffs. Dougie lived in the building next door for a bit. And so I, and they'd have all the people lined up around the building waiting to get tickets in the morning for the playoff game. So Dougie, not knowing how he was going to get in the building through the main doors, he threw on his uh, jersey with a hoodie pulled up, and he, he walked to the front door as a super fan. <laughs> walked through the whole crowd, his head down with his jersey on, and then looked up at the security, and they recognized him. And that's how he got through uh, the front door, because there have been about 2,000 people lined up around the building to get playoff tickets. And, uh, but that, that was a, a common thing. You parked out on Wood Street, and after a game, win or loss, there'd be 500 people hanging around your car waiting uh, wow. to get signatures. Or, or, or when you're standing there writing signatures, the guy's got a Sharpie on drive, <laughs> drawing on the back of your suit. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending he wants your autograph, but he's writing on the back of the suit because you lost your game. Wow. <laughs> How many suit jackets do you think were ruined <laughs> oh, and leave losses? <laughs> Went through lots of went through lots of clothes in the early eighties. <laughs> wow. Oh wow, that's wow. unbelievable! Wow, and you know it's such a different time that just would never happen today. But there's that that personal element that you guys would have had is that's really special. 
and also kind of scary. It is, but you were tight to the you were you were right there. You know, you talked to the gardens, the old Montreal Forum, the old Winnipeg Arena. You walked right through the fans. You're going out post game to our car was right outside the rink, so fans wanted to hang around. They figured out where to be. Um, So win, lose, or draw, you had a feeling of what that fan was feeling uh, after the game. And, and, you know, in the game, in the gardens, when I started, it was only half glass, uh, you know, two feet of glass on the boards at the early stages. And the fans used to have to walk through the bench to get to their seats in the right. gold. Yes. So you'd be stealing the kid's popcorn. You're in the official seats. And they'd be walking and you'd steal the kid's popcorn with his dad going to his seats or <laughs> all that. All that kind of stuff would be going. So it was a real close interaction, which, which made it. You know, I, I've seen either Dan Maloney and John Brophy probably both <laughs> make the walk up to the Golds because he was getting heckled by a fan right there. And there's <laughs> he could get right through the guy. <laughs> That's it's, amazing. I'm, I'm I sure mean, the messages on the back of your suit jacket were like, you, you'll get them next time, Wendell. Like, like, really <laughs> encouraging. <laughs> well, the, the only positive is because we weren't making any money then. I think we were uh, – I, I think I was buying like two suits for 199 bucks. Yeah, you get a deal, have 50 <laughs> – <laughs> compared to the suits they're wearing today yeah but, uh, we'd be going through the 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 jack because that's it you know the fans are hanging out right outside as soon as you open the door it was free game and and the people were right there and you're no matter you, you learn to be a professional because you're handling the people right there after a big win or a, or a big loss it, it could be either that's amazing. What's the what's the most intense part of the playoffs? Like, what's the most difficult part of playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Is it the pressure from the fans? Is it the intensity of the games all week long? Uh, no, I think it's it's the pressure you put on yourself, really, because as a the players at the highest level, you put so much pressure on yourself to do well that it really doesn't matter to the fans. That's just part of it. But it's that's the exciting part of it is is playing in rinks that are alive right from the get-go like especially in, in Canada but all the rinks come playoff time are alive and jumping on the road you're hated and at home you're loved and and it that was that energy you can't replicate it as a, as a playoff game in any sport and, and so that's that gets you to play better even if you're hated on the road if you can make if your team can play well and you can make the road building go quiet because you're out playing them that's like a home crowd standing on their feet if you can get that visiting building dead quiet Oh, yeah, I yeah. bet that feels good. <laughs> uh, well, listen, uh, Wendell Clark, uh, thank you for being so gracious with your time with us. Um, we, are, we remain eternal fans of you, and uh, thank you for joining us. And it's nice to be on the same Frosted Flakes hockey team. Uh, even if we couldn't do it with the Leafs, it's just nice yeah. to say, we're on Team Wendell Clark, too. <laughs> cereal Selly, do the cereal Selly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wendell.